Hello, Polytopians. Thanks for tuning into the Polytopian Times. I'm your host, Sam, and today I'm joined by Eastpark. Thanks, as always, for hopping on. Hello, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Ah, of course. Thanks. And uh, today, folks, we are talking about the first of our offensive start tribes. We're talking about Hudrick. Uh, so this is going to be the one that's uh, really primarily focused on early war, maybe over early expansion, because you could definitely argue with Umaji, I think, that they're uh, a mix between an early aggressor and an early expansionist tribe. But uh, you certainly can't say the same about starting with an archer. So um, without any further ado, let's go talk about some uh, some Hudrick. The autumnal leaves above you seem to glow, illuminated by the morning sun. There are rustling fire in the sky, swaying gently in the breeze. You're in a forest of maple trees made of mostly flat land with a few large hills breaking up the woods. There are smooth green slopes rising up just above the treetops. You can hear birds singing around you, and in the distance a woodpecker occasionally pecking. You're on the road to Thinley, a hoodrick town on the border of the Bardurian tundra nestled deep in the Donic forest. You're hoping to secure some archers to serve as the garrison on your trading ships are increasingly beset by raiding pirates and privateers now that war had broken out between the Kiku and the Luxador over an important trading post on the edge of the Loiques Bay. The road stretches out, winding between the trees off until it's obscured by a collage of branches. Before long, you spot a hook rolling through the trees, a large black bull-like creature with huge horns. They're aggressive, but can be distracted by tossing a handful of the rare herg mushrooms, which they love to eat in the opposite direction where you intend to flee. Luckily, this one doesn't seem particularly interested in you, and is intent- intently stuffing itself on some nearby keysberries, so you take the opportunity to silently pass by. Interspersed about the forest are keysberry bushes, berries that look and taste like raspberries. They have a mild stimulant in them, akin to coffee or tea. Keysberries can be made into pies, cobblers, tarts, fritters, breads, jams, and a multitude of other delightful confections. As you may infer from their extensive repertoire of baked goods, the Hudrick have the finest bakers on the square, and this makes for an appealing bonus to this undertaking. You can never pass up a good keysberry pie. Along with that pie, you're planning to enjoy a nice, refreshing keysberry tea to sharpen the mind. With that thought on your mind, you head down the road to thinly with a smile. Before too long, you arrive in the town. A somewhat jarring open space after spending days under the endless hallway of trees that the Donic Forest could be. Thinley is a working town filled with hunters, lumberjacks, leather workers, fletchers, and more. The buildings are largely made out of wood covered in white plaster, with some houses showing their beams, while others cover the whole exterior. All the roofs you can see are made of thatch, with the exception of the biggest buildings at the center of town. These were made of large stone blocks. The first town hall, which was topped with a stone tower that had a pointed wooden roof. The other was the barracks, a stone fortress with a crenellated rooftop that likely had wood beams providing a place to stand and shoot arrows. This was your destination. The Hudrick bustling about you are dressed in undyed leathers or brown tunics, each wearing the traditional pointed green cap with a feather perched above the left ear. It's the way they honor the legendary green caps that answered the call when the first Hudrick king had risen up against their barter overlords. In the ensuing revolt, the green caps had served as the first line of defense on the edge of the Donic Forest, using the skills they had learned as an order of rangers to facilitate a guerrilla war that crippled the Bardurian efforts to reclaim their vassals and their lands. Although they had won their independence and forced the barter into an uneasy peace while they rebuilt, 
The animosity had only begun to burn brighter as it aged, and just five turns after the initial conflict, the barter struck again in a series of vicious raids that, although unsuccessful, still scared the Hudrick populace into a renewed sense of unity and action. In this sense of unity and renewed wariness, the Hudrick realized everyone would have to be a green cap if they wanted to keep their freedoms, and the adoption of the iconic cat was the symbolic way every Hudrick could show their support. To commemorate their victories against the barter, the Hudrick built the Halarda pillars in their capital. Each of the four pillars represents a core ideal of the Green Caps and Hudrick society at large. Justice, kindness, nature, and accuracy. You can find these to be admirable and promising traits for the intended tires to have, and find yourself stopping in front of the doors of the garrison, with gold for starting bonuses in your pack and a smile on your lips. Well, that's a brief rundown of lore, folks. Yay! <laughs> Lovely lore with quiz berries and hooksy. You say hoxy? Hooksy? Yeah, hooks or hox, one of the two. <laughs> I kind of think of them as like ox, oxen, so I think hoxy. But yeah, that was Absolutely. lore. <laughs> so yes. what's good about Hudrick? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Some things. Uh, let's take a look at their spawn rates and start off. Maybe there's something decent there. I mean, they only have half the spawn rates. That's not great, but they do get double the four spawn rate that normal tribes get. They do also have the lowest field spawn rate in the game, which means it's really going to be forced for the most part with mountains elsewise and then maybe some fields. Uh, in those fields, you're going to have reduced fruit and crop spawns. However, you do get double the wild game spawn rates. So that's really good. I think they get more than Barter has. So probably the most wild game in the game, along with the most trees. Uh, they do, however, have half of the normal metal spawn rate in the mountains they do have. So um, they have lots of game and trees. That's yeah. Those are the things. Yeah. I mean, you really think about, right, forests, and the thing about the archery, right, is you get the defense bonus with the forest. So if you can leverage that combination of a defense bonus and a forest, and then lots of population, even getting, you know, sawmills, um, you can get a lot of giants, and you can put those giants on forests with a defense bonus. So it can, it can be fun to, if you can get it to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of potentials there. <laughs> That's the truth. And yeah, some general perks beyond that. Um, I mean, you, you do have that early offense, too. So you can like switch over to a more advanced war style early on, so to speak, by, you know, being able to throw out a range support unit that can deal damage, allowing your melee units to stay at a much higher pool of health. So you might be able to build up a higher grouping of forces on the front line that aren't getting hit by attrition as hard as your opponents might be. Again, that's if you leverage this properly with vision and all, but um, not, again, super game-breaking to have archers begin with, and I mean, there's certainly a couple of drawbacks. Um, off the bat, this is pretty tangential, too, but like, say you're exploring with your starting archer, uh, man, you run into somebody else's warrior, uh, if you get first sight, you can at least get an attack in. Uh, but if they get the first swing at you, you're going to take a lot more damage than you'll deal to them. It means you're, like, if you're fighting over a village you just found, you're not going to be able to try and stymie them, and you might wind up losing that unit well before you can try and fight back to that new village. But it is, to be fair, a largely tangential and um, 
pretty rare drawback to run into. Other than that, I mean, you'll have slightly slower economic development than like Imperius or Barter might have just because they get that extra turn ahead of you. Well, a couple of turns because you do have to save up to get the tech and then start to actually pay into investing it. They might be steamrolling with the extra three stars that they can pull out that you don't have or two stars early on, you know, per turn. Um, over a couple of turns, that extra eight stars can make a big difference. Yeah. I almost feel like I know this isn't going to happen, but I wish you could start with a warrior as Hudrick and then get your archer as your second unit because it's exploring, pushing out that fog with an archer is just not effective. You want your stronger unit in the front like a warrior, and then you want your archer in the back. You know, that's the ideal, yes. but it's not the way it starts. You start with an archer. So sometimes it's better to send the archer away from where you think your opponents are so it's almost not like the opposite of forward settling at least with that first archer and then use the warrior to forward settle does that make sense oh absolutely and then you can you know maybe if your archer doesn't die and he gets a city over there you can come back and support with your fight when you run into somebody meanwhile you're um tankier melee unit or you know whatever you've got to throw out that's a little beefier can not immediately die and not be as expensive a unit to lose if it does die i mean sure it's only one star extra but again in that early game that can be the difference between being able to like level up a city that turn thus giving you an extra workshop or no level up yeah uh, so i mean <laughs> i mean those are definitely some thoughts to keep in mind as far as strategy for starting off goes but i mean Eastpark, I don't think anybody here does the uh, the expertise you happen to have with all <laughs> tribes. So uh, tell us some more about strategy, please. Yeah, I mean, aside from what we talked about with um, maybe not sending your archer directly towards uh, your opponents, you know, maybe send them not to the center of the map, at least to start. Um, the other thing yeah. is just building your economy and getting those giants. When I think about Hudrick, I mean, it used to be, right, with the chopping in the free spirit, it was a separate branch of the tech tree than forestry. But now you have the one chop in forestry, and it allows you to carve out some really good sawmill spots if you don't have really good sawmill spots. So it gives you more to work with. And then, honestly, just go for those giants. With Hudrick, I think... I mean, it takes a little while, but if you can hold out until you can get enough tech, you can get a lot of giants. And then if you're using math, you can also have uh, catapults behind the giants. Um, and that, I think, is the best strategy to go with with Hudrick. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I guess that's one of the perks about Hudrick we didn't mention earlier is because like your resources are really so focused into just two things. You just need really two techs to be able to do the majority of what you're going to do in that game, which is hunting and forestry. Um, you, you mathematics helps get, for yeah, sawmills. You may want to get riders because roads can be very helpful for moving your giants up, moving your catapults into place, but that's more of a late game. Yeah. Um, but roads are always great and you need riding to get to roads. Absolutely. But um, I mean, in terms of economic development, while roads can be nice, honestly and probably make do with just hunting and forestry at yeah. least in the early game and the trouble with riders in hoodrick right is because there's so many forests you can't 
very often you are blocked by the forest. You can't move the full two squares. Right, right, right. Yeah, so uh, that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, of course, by the time you get two riders, you'll probably be thinking about getting out roads anyways, <laughs> as you mentioned. So definitely stuff to keep in mind. But yeah, a lot of it's going to be just uh, how many giants can you get out and how best can you leverage what you've got in terms of natural resources and even terrain defense, uh, especially in that early game. Um, yeah. yeah. And when you think about map type, right, Hudrick is best for maps that have less water because, again, their strength is really hunting and forestry. So they're good. Their best maps are drylands or lakes. Um, but once you get more water in the game, they get less and less uh, potential for, you know, being strong. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, definitely oriented towards that specific branch of the uh the tech tree there so if you're trying to force hudrick to be a kick who sort of gameplay it's just not going to work out the way you want absolutely okay. <laughs> so what what do you think is the best way to counter hudrick if you're up against hudrick how do you fight them um i mean we always go with the usual forward settling helps against really any tribe any players vulnerable to forward settling and early rider harassment because riders are nice against archers early on um you know you can move a little further as long as you got roads the roads plus rider combo is really nice against undefended archers again that's assuming you've got an opponent who's throwing out archers at you without putting one warrior in front of them to give that zone of control blocking out so you can't get your rider in and out easily. But uh, if they leave them undefended, riders are your best friend, and riders are still going to do you really, really well in general. So um, I would argue that, yes, like riders can be really helpful for attacking, uh, especially if the archers are in the front. But if there's a lot of trees, you know, if you're using your riders to get into the Hoodrick terrain with all those forests, you're not, you're going to be limited, right? And where oh, you yes. can move and where you can bounce to with all the forests in the way. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's uh, something to keep in mind for sure. You have to have extensive use of roads just to even try it off. And it'll be limited to just the border. You're not going to be able to drive deep into enemy territory, but, uh, you know, as much as anything else works, uh, riders can be good at killing archers. Yeah. And one thing that I love to do, if possible, again, if you're up against Hoodrick where they have a lot of catapults or archers, I mean, the really fun thing is to get a knight and sneak that knight in and just plow through those weak ranged units. Because sometimes people don't have a proper buffer of stronger units in the front protecting those ranged units. If you can sneak in a knight, oh my gosh, that's just it. That's just lovely. Yeah, exactly. So you Hoodrick players who are listening, take this single word of advice. It's pretty simple. Just uh, put a warrior out in front of your archers with a defense bonus. Yeah, uh, although knights That's a cheap way in the through. start. Knights can go through a warrior, but not with a defense bonus. So if your warrior yeah. is on the forest, then the knight can't break through it. Yeah. Yes. But of course, you know, then somebody can attack at once. Now, you know, you can go through. So, I mean, be cognizant of how you're playing. But, you know, at this point, you can still, it's, it's zone of control. If you can throw it out, you know, because our counter is, you know, if you don't have it, it's easy to get in and mess them up. You know, you just try and throw in as many breaks in the chain as you can. That being beefy melee units that can you know soak up a hit yep yep i agree 
Yeah. I like playing Hoodrick. I, I really enjoy <laughs> them. I think, you know, I think, again, I always prefer mirror matches, if at all possible. I feel that's more fair. Um, but I, I get a kick out of finding really good sawmill spots and just building up my cities really big with, like, a lot of population and sawmills. That can be very satisfying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's nice for it to be... Uh so productive as it is because again just looking at those spawn rates they really have almost no tiles where there's not something on it now um they're not quite as crazy as some tribes i believe a uh, few of them we we're looking at maybe it was imperious and um oh i'd have to double check who else might have been on the list but i think there were a couple who literally had no empty tiles there was always something on the tile be it a, a useless mountain or something so it might um, be Vangir because Vangir has either farms or something else. You don't see it right away, but Vangir, if you get all the text, they have a lot of resources, but usually they, you know, forestry or <laughs> farms. It takes a little bit to get there. Yes. Yeah. And you, uh, you really have to go quite a ways just to get the basics going. And uh, Vangir, they do have those wonderful plethora of, you know, tier two resources once they get there, but it's that tier yeah. one where they're just going to starve. Exactly. Yeah. Tier two <laughs> yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. That's pretty much why you'd want to play the tribe if you want yeah. something slightly different or you want to do some eco farming with sawmills. Um, well, I think that wraps up our Hoodrick episode. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Um, what else is going on in the Polytopia world? Anything else um, to plug? No, no, I don't think we have anything this week. Uh, the tribe duels are still happening in Holly, Maine. And anyway, that's an ongoing event. So people can hop in there. You know, that's going to go for months. So anybody who feels like, um, again, there's some good prizes. There's raffle tics for, tickets for um, Steam Keys. And they're also going to be raffling off some nitro prizes if you're into that um so people can pop into polymane that's again that's going to go for months oh the bullet tournament if you're in poly champions uh the bullet tournament is happening this saturday uh i think that's the 24th uh yes Okay, 24th, if people want to try some Blitz games, that's two-minute turns, they can sign up for the Bullet Tournament in Poly Champions. Yes, and uh, so, yeah, we got plenty going on, folks. Definitely go check that out. And, uh, well, until next time, we will see ya. <laughs> Bye!